The following women, the based in themselves, would give her kinui. If the based in see a woman behaving in an immodest way, perhaps she is talking to men too much, and they suspect her of perhaps being disloyal to her husband, then in a case where her husband is not able to give her kinui, the based in themselves would come and give her kinui. What would be such a case? If her husband became a cheresh, deaf and dumb, or he became a fool, he went out of his mind, or he was captured in prison, and in all of these cases, either the husband is not aware that she is being disloyal, or even if he does know, he's not able to come and give her kinui. In such a case, the basin would do so. Now, that doesn't mean, they didn't say this with regards to being able to give her the water. Meaning if Basin give her kinui and then she violates that kinui, she has stira, she's alone with that man, she still wouldn't drink the water. The Pasuk, the Torah says explicitly, the kinui is ishtoi, that he'll give warning to his wife, which implies that it has to be the husband who gives the kinui, and it says vehavior ishus ishtoi, that the husband will bring her, will bring his wife up to the Besamikdosh to drink the water. So the Torah definitely requires that it be done by the husband. So what does it help the Basin do it? But it is enough to invalidate her from her kasuba. Meaning, if she violates that kinui, then she would become forbidden to her husband, and her husband would not be obligated to give her the kasuba because she violated the Beistin's kinui. That is the opinion of the Chachomim. However, Rabbi Yossi says, Aflash Goiso. The Beistin's kinui helps even to give her the water. If she violates the Beistin's kinui, she would be obligated to go through the whole Soto process and drink the water if she violated that kinui. Now, even according to Yossi, the husband needs to be the one who brings her up to the Beis HaMikdosh. It's just that he doesn't need to be the one who gives her the kinui. And therefore the Mishnah says, Once her husband leaves prison, or if he gains back his speech and hearing, or if he gets back to being normal, and he's now able to bring her up to the Beis HaMikdosh, then Yashkena, he would give her the water to drink. And even though he wasn't the one who gave her kinui, he is only needed to bring her up to the Beis HaMikdosh, according to Yossi. The focus of this perek are a number of different laws learnt from Psukim. The first Mishnah concerns the laws of Saita, but the rest of the perek is not related, and the only reason why they are brought here is because they were all explained and taught in the Beis Medrash on the same day. The Gemara in Brachus tells the story of how Ramon Gamliel was the Nossi, he was the head of the Beistin, but after two or three incidents where there was an argument between Ramon Gamliel and Rabbi Yeshua, the other Chachomim said that Roman Gamliel can no longer be the head of this base then, and they look for somebody else, and ultimately they found Rabbi Lozman Azaria, and he replaced Roman Gamliel as the Nossi, as the head of the base then. And when he became Nossi, he changed some of the policies of the base of Medrash. As long as Roman Gamliel was the Nossi, he would only let the best students into the base of Medrash. He said that anybody whose external self didn't reflect their internal self, if there was any sort of pretense, and they weren't totally genuine with their service of Hashem and their learning, they wouldn't be allowed into the Mesa Medrash. So naturally, the number of people in the Mesa Medrash was not so large, but on the day that Rabbi Lozman Azairah became the Nasi, he changed that policy, and the Gemara records how hundreds of new benches were brought back into the Mesa Medrash, and there were huge numbers of people who joined the Mesa Medrash that day. And throughout Shas, whenever the Mishnayas or Gemara says, that Bevayoim, on that day, something was taught in the Beis Medrash, so that day, Bevayoim, 
always refers to that day that Rabbi Lozman Azara became the Nasi, and he allowed everybody back into the Beis HaMedrash. Now, because the second half of this Mishnah cites a drosha which was taught on that day that Rabbi Lozman Azara became the Nasi, the rest of the Perek goes sidetracked to bring other droshas which were taught on that day. But as it may, before we get there, the Mishnah tells us that just like the water which the Sota drank, would check her, and if indeed she was guilty, then she would start bloating and blowing up. As we have seen in the previous parakim, so too the water would check and bring that same punishment onto the man with whom she had relations. Shneem, as the Pesach says, the truth is actually three times in the parasha it says the word that the water will come and will cause her to bloat, etc. And the fact that it says with a vov, it could have just said bo'u. The fact that it says uva'u is, come to, is coming to include and teach that the water would also bring that same punishment to the man who had those illegal relations. Next, says the Mishnah, Just like a woman who commits adultery becomes forbidden to remain married to her husband, so for whatever reason she didn't die, perhaps she wasn't fit to drink the water, but the haloch is, as we have seen a number of times, if she has relations willingly, or if it's not known if she did, and she isn't able to drink the water, so she becomes forbidden to remain married to her husband. Kach so too she is forbidden to then marry the person with whom she was suspected to have committed adultery with. Even once she is divorced from her real husband, she is forbidden to go and marry that other man. Shunem, as the Pesach says, nitma'ah v'nitma'ah. In one place, the, the Torah says that the word nitma'ah, that she became impure, she had illegal relations. But in another puzzle, there's an additional letter vov, v'nitma'ah. So we learn from that additional letter that she's not only forbidden and has become impure, as it were, from her real husband, but she is also forbidden to marry the other man. Did Rabbi Akiva, that is the opinion of Rabbi Akiva. Or Rabbi Yeshua, Rabbi Yeshua said, Akatsov also learnt this law from the Pesach in the same way as Rabbi Akiva did, but Rabbi learnt it from a different place. They agree on the law, the discussion is just where they learnt about it. Rabbi Omer Rabbi said, the source for this law is from a different place. Shnei on Hamurim Baparsha. The two times that it says when talking about the Saita, once it says Imnitma'ah, if she becomes impure, and in another, another place it says Nitma'ah, she becomes impure, she had illegal relations. The fact that it repeats it, that is the source for this law. Not the extra vav, but the repetition. Once is to teach that she's forbidden to remain married to her real husband, and one is to teach that she is forbidden to go and marry the other man with whom she had illegal relations. Mishnah Beis, the actual content of this mission is not really related to Saita, but as we explained, it was explained Bovayom on that day that Rabbi Lozman Azairah became the Nasi in place of Ram Gamliel. When a source of Tumor touches something, for example, if a dead Sheretz, a Sheretz is a small animal, there are eight Sheretz in which the Torah lists that once that animal is dead, it is a source of Tumor. And the source of Tumor is known as the Av HaTumor, which literally means the father of the Tumor. Now, if a person or an object or food touches a Sheretz, then they become Tomei, but that's already not the source of the Tumor. It's one step removed, so that is known as a Rishon Tumor. A Rishon Tumor, which touches something else, would not make it Tomei unless the something else is food or drink. A person or a regular object which touches a Rishon Tumor remains Tahar. But if food touches it, then the food becomes Tomei, and that is known as a Sheni Tumor. It's two steps removed from the source of the Tumor. Now, according to the Halacha, 
If the Sheni Latuma touches a different food, then the food would remain Tohar, it would not become Tomei. Unless that food has some sort of extra sanctity to it, for example, if it's Truma or if it's a carbon, then it would become Tomei even by touching a Sheni Latuma. And it would become a Shulishi Latuma, three, remo- three steps removed from the original source of Tuma. But regular food which touches it, which touches a Sheni Latuma, would not become Tomei at all. However, according to this Mishnah, any food which touches a Sheni Latuma would become Tomei as a Shlishi Latuma. One more word of introduction before we begin the Mishnah inside. An earthenware utensil is unique in that it can only become Tomei or transfer its Tuma to something else via the inside of that utensil. If let's say there's a Sheretz which is dangled inside the utensil, even without touching it, it makes the utensil Tomei. And then if something else is placed inside that utensil, even without touching it, it becomes Tomei just from being on the inside of that utensil. Says the Mishnah, On that day, Rabbi Akiva explained the following Pesukim, Any earthenware utensil, that if a source of Tumor falls inside of them, for example, if a Sheretz is, goes inside an earthenware utensil, a dead Sheretz, Anything else which is placed after that inside that utensil will become Tomei. And it becomes Tomei not from the Sheretz, it becomes Tomei from the utensil itself. Now literally that's what it means, that it will become Tomei. However, Rabbi Akiva takes note of the fact that in Omer Tomei, the positive doesn't say that it is Tomei. El Yitma, it says that it will be Tomei, and there are no vowels in the Torah, and the word Yitma can also be read as Yitamei, that it will make something else Tomei. And we learn from there that this item would also be Tomei enough to make other food Tomei. And the Torah doesn't specify that we're talking about food which has sanctity. So simply put, it seems to me from the Pasuk that this item would be able to make other regular food Tomei. And we learn from here, Limeid, this teaches Al-Kikar Shani about a loaf which is a Shani Latuma. It's two steps removed from the primary level of Tuma. Shemitame Sashilishi, that it would make something else, other food which touches it, into a Shlishi Latuma. Why is that? Because think about it, the Sheretz is an Avatuma. The Sheretz makes the oven into a Rishon Latuma. Then the thing which is placed inside of that utensil, let's say a loaf of bread, that becomes Tomei from the oven itself. So it became Tomei from a Rishon Latuma, so the loaf itself is a Shani Latuma. It's already two steps removed from the source of Tuma, the Sheretz. And the Posik is still implying that it can make something else Tomei. If something else would then touch that loaf, it would become a Shlishi Latuma. Said when he heard this, Who will reveal and remove the dust from your eyes? Zakai was Yeshua's Rebbe, and he had already died. And Yeshua exclaimed, You, Zakai, used to say, Another future generation, I'm afraid that in the future they might say that a loaf of bread which is a Shlishi Latuma, is really Tahar, and that there's no such thing as a Shlishi Latuma. And in fact, some Mephoshim explain that Rehman Zakai was afraid that even regarding sanctified food like Truma, people would end up saying that there's no such thing as a Shlishi Latuma. Because there's no Pasuk in the Torah which teaches explicitly that it should be Tomei. But now Akiva, Rabbi Akiva, your student, Rabbi Akiva was actually Rabbi Yeshua's student. So he was Rabbi Yechimen Zakai's student's student. So in a way, he's also considered to be Rabbi Yechimen Zakai's student. 
Maybe like Mikra Menachtei Asher Tomei, he's bringing an explicit posse in the Torah, which teaches that it should be Tomei, which fits very well with that which you taught. Shenemar, as the Apostle says, Kolashem Secha Yitma, anything which is inside of that earthenware utensil will become Tomei. And as we explained, Yitma can also be read Yitamei, that it would make something else Tomei. Mishnah Gimel, Eretz Israel was split between all of the tribes, they each received a portion of Eretz Israel, but the Levian didn't receive one large portion, rather they were scattered across the whole of Eretz Israel. On that day, Rabbi Akiva explained Pesukim in the following way. Regarding the cities of the Levian, the Pasuk says, You should measure outside of the city, the eastern side, Alpayim Bo'amah, 2,000 Amas for Gomer, etc. And the Posik is coming to say that apart from the actual cities themselves, which were given to the Levim, uh, open area of 2,000 Amas around the cities were also considered to be belonging to the Levim. However, Umiko Achir Oimer, a different Posik, the Posik immediately before that one, says, From the wall of the city outwards, there'll be 1,000 Amas surrounding it. Now, if Shalomai Elef Amar, it's impossible to say that we're talking about only 1,000 Amas which were awarded to the Levim and given to them, because the Posig already says 2,000 Amas. It's impossible to say that they were given 2,000 Amas surrounding the city, because the Posig already says 1,000 Amas. So, how are we going to explain this Pesukim? Says Rabbi Akiva, Elef Amar Migrosh. There was 1,000 Amas of empty space surrounding the city, and that was awarded to the Levim as well. And then when the Torah after that talks about measuring 2,000 Amas outside of the city, that's nothing to do with what was given to the Levim. That is a separate requirement to measure and know where exactly the distance of 2,000 Amas from the edge of the city ends, because the 2,000 Amas is for the sake of the Tuchum Shabbos. The Tuchum Shabbos refers to the maximum distance which one is permitted to travel outside of his city on Shabbos. And that amount is 2,000 Amas. That's considered to be sort of an extension of the city in some way. That area is still associated with that city. And that is the maximum distance which one may travel on Shabbos. And according to Rabbi Akiva, it emerges that this prohibition of traveling more than 2,000 Amas outside of the city on Shabbos is Midoraisa. However, Rabbi Yezer, the son of Rabbi Yisaglili, says that the prohibition of traveling 2,000 Amas on Shabbos is Midrabanon. So that can't be what the Torah is talking about. Rather, there are 2,000 Amas given to the Levim themselves. Both Pesukim are talking about what was given to the Levim, but it's split into two sets. Elif Amar Migrosh. 1,000 Amas was supposed to be an empty area, and that was given to the Levim. And as well as that, Valpam Amar Sadi 2,000 Amas was the distance for the fields and vineyards, meaning that the second 1,000 Amas out of the 2,000 Amas, that was designated for fields and vineyards, and not just to be an empty area but the entire 2,000 Amas were considered to belong to the Levim.